Pashas Tildes. Shabbos and Varchim Chaydish Kislev. Erev Chaydish Kislev. Tonight is Chavzayin Cheshvan, which is a yard site of a special woman, which we, I don't know the name yet. Because <laughs> the person who has the yard site sponsoring tonight has not shown up yet. Um, so, as all other things that time can heal, I guess time will heal that as well. And will come through for us to let us know. Yitzchak fathered as you know Yitzchak was the carbon either that his father wanted to make of him. And ultimately, as we spoke, to the chagrin of his mother, was not sacrificed, but yet... Oh, no. The internet is attacking, or Skype is attacking, I'm not sure which one. One of them is having a hard time. So, oh, now we can get the name. Lil Nishmas. Rus Bas Yaakov. Rus Bas Yaakov. Avram, the Kenneth. Rus Bas Yaakov. Everybody else is on their way. So I guess nobody knows when 9 o'clock starts around here. <laughs> I'm recording already. Alright. So, so, so too we see, so too we see the birth of Avram, of Yitzchak, was the birth of Yitzchak, the name, all those that will hear will laugh at me, but Yitzchak is a future, as we spoke, is a Lashen Asid, and the problem that I don't know what this is I have to check it before you look at it even it's not even look at it because I don't know where it came from okay we don't know what this is we're going to find out fast enough I'm afraid we're definitely going to say the Chaim on it 
Avram Avinu, at the age where everybody felt that Avram Avinu has done all that he could, has had all that he could, and would not be zeichah chasson to a child, and thereby not being able to continue his worthy work and holy work and mission in the world. And therefore he says, Kol Hashemeah Yitzchak HaKli, therefore Yitzchak, the name Yitzchak, is a name that will ultimately laugh at the world and tell the world, look, Avram Avinu's work is being continued. Wow! Wow! Definitely not driving after that. Definitely can't drive. You guys are missing it on Skype. You can't have a taste for this stuff. Um. <laughs> Rashi tells us right in the beginning. For those who have a question about the mizaynis after the shahakal, I had no intention of eating mizaynis. I don't eat mizaynis. Just the lechayim is quite strong, and I'm not going to get through the shir if I don't bite. It was covered before, so we're okay. We're covered. Rashi tells us the Leitzone Hadir were laughing and saying, Was this indeed the child of Avram Avinu? And the Abishta, to prove it, made great similarities between Avram and Yitzchak, clustered upon him, Rashi uses the expression. They looked literally like one another. And therefore, there was no question that this was Avram's child. Hmm. They tell a story. The commissar in Russia used to monitor everything anyone did. Like the KGB and everybody else. But the commissar was more like the IRS. You couldn't make an extra piaster in Russia. And if you did, they had to know how. And uh, going through records, they found a little yidla with hundreds of thousands of rubles. Commissar called him in and said, Shtoetu. What's this? How is this possible? And the Yidl looked him in the eye and said, I'm a betting man. And I always win my bets. <laughs> what do you mean you win? What kind of bets do you make? I see a person and I know what's going to happen with him. And I bet with him that's going to happen. And they, of course, don't believe me, and they bet against it, and I win. And that's how I make my money. Needless to say, the commissar didn't buy it. So the commissar says, you know what? 
<laughs> Let's make a wager. Let's make a bet. Look at me and tell me something about me, and we'll make a bet. He looks to come aside in the eye, and he's looking, and he's looking, and he's looking, and he says, Ay, 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 ay. Come aside, says, Shto, what, what? Oh, yeah, I can't tell you. He says, No, 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 no. I can't tell you. He says, You have to tell me. He says, You never believe me, so what's the difference? He says, So we're going to bet on it. How much you want to bet? Kamasa throws out a number, 10,000 rubles. This is Kharasha. In two weeks, the Kamasar, who is the most famous, ferocious tax man in the world, or at least in the Russian world, is going to grow a tail. Like a horse, he's going to grow a tail. <laughs> the Kamasar went ballistic. Mishige, you crazy, a tail? He says, you're going to meet me on this mountain, on this hilltop, exactly two weeks, and you will see, you'll have a tail. And bring the 10,000 rubles with you. No. There's a problem with Skype tonight. Oh, there's a problem with my computer. No, the problem with Skype, and it keeps attacking it. It keeps going off. No. Comes the date two weeks later. To me, that the commissar calls the secretary and says to Haslushna, cancel all my appointments the next two weeks. I'm on vacation. And he goes home and he puts mirrors all over his house and he walks around where his tail is visible to make sure the tail is not growing. All day long he's looking in the mirrors to make sure there's no tail growing. All night long he tries to sleep. He keeps putting his hand there's no tail. Two weeks go by and there's no tail. No, no tail. So you come to the hilltop. Beautiful view. And the Mr. Yidl, and he says, the right thing, bring, give me the money because I didn't grow a tail. He says, of course you grew a tail. It's impossible. I saw you growing it. He says, no, I didn't grow he says, well, listen, I'll give you the money, but you got to prove it. So, Kamasar pulls down his pants and shows there's no tail. All right. The Yidl says, I can't believe this. He gives him the 10,000 ruble, and he starts to walk away. The Kamasar says, hey, 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 he says, I don't understand. He says, you said you make money like this, you just lost 10,000 ruble. Ah, he says, Suda. Come to me on the other side of the hill. You see here, there's 20,000 people. I bet each one five rubles I can get the commissar to come on this hill and pull down his pants. <laughs> this is the Leitzani Adair. The Leitzani Adair did not believe anything they would say. They had an answer and a, and a rebuttal and a refuting to everything that could happen. And this expansion would have to have such episodes going on. We have the episode of Rivka's pregnancy. We have the episode of the Brachas. The episode of Yitzchak digging wells. So many things that have no hands or feet to them. What was actually Rivka's problem? She went in the street 
if she passed the mokim shivigdusha, yeshiva shem veiver, the child was banging. He wanted to get out. Carrying past the tumah, and the child is banging. Wants to get out. So what was Rivka's issue? And how is it that when she comes to the yeshiva, Shem Vever to ask, and they tell her, she becomes appeased. What appeases her to find out that there's two different nations in my, in my womb, carrying two wombs? Rivka was only worried and concerned about the terrible, terrible bills that she's going to have in therapy. Because obviously this child was very confused. He walks by this way, he wants to go here, he wants to... He was confused. And she thought he was Basham Meshugana. He didn't know where he wanted to go in the house of worship. Bepeil, she found out it's two different children. At least he's not a Meshugana. Each child has his own opinion. We talk about yard size. A mother, as we just said, is very concerned with the child's well-being and wants to make sure there's stability in the child's life. Why did he just come on? Why isn't he here? He said he's coming here. Okay, you guys will keep adding for the Skype. It's too cold? No, it's not. Get a car. You can't find parking at food. It keeps, yeah, it keeps, keeps confusing the Skype when every time someone else jumps on. New, settle yourself. So a child is all that the mother has. All that the mother wants is her child's happiness and health and good well-being. When We could stop over there. We don't have to continue the word. We don't have to continue the passage together. Oh, this guy dropped. This guy's back. Oh my gosh. It could stop at that point by Yisraeli This was disturbing for the child, for the mother. The mother could not grasp that her children are fighting, that her children were not at peace with one another. See online? We're not playing. There's also this. Yesterday, actually, we finished the uh, shiva of a fellow in Flatbush, Avram Ben Kani, a, a 57 year old man. Also, a very, very involved parent with the children. And we also need to be mispaul for Miriam, for Menucha Riva Baschaya, a young lady that's lying now in Matilda's hospital. She suffered a stroke, an aneurysm, we're not sure yet what it is, not to Shabbos, 48-year-old, also a house full of cleaning kindle. 
and the situation very, very, very severe. Swelling of the brain has not gone down yet. She needs a full shleima. Chaim, Chaim. Wow, it's real stuff. So by Yisrael, it's Okay, you can't do that. I'm going to add you. Yeah, let me add you. text and let me know you went off and you got to get back on and I can add you easier than you calling in unless some of you who know how to get onto the onto the thing by yourself without calling in and disrupting the rest of the thing therefore is something that hurt the mother more than anything else And this is why Yitzchak, Yaakov, wanted to get out to go learn in Shem Ve'eves. Now the technical question is, of course, Ma'inav Kimine? Just close the door. Close the door, and then you're going to have a... Oh, okay. There's a cat that keeps trying to get in. Oh, Yossi, wow, wow, wow. Sheikh Yana, welcome. Who's driving the other one? Kaseh Lachayim. I'm sorry. 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 But yeah, okay. okay. This, this stuff is stronger than I thought, yeah? Okay. Taste this. Very little of it. Oh, Jay Simpson? It came in from, uh, no, it just came from uh, Switzerland, actually. Okay. I don't want to pulled over by DWI. No, you don't. So let's let, let Yossi try. <laughs> you can take some home with you. Call to Yossi. Not a lot. So the question is, by straight so about an only mummy should drop it, so it's very strong. That's enough, it's enough. You're trying to kill all of us. By the question is, why was Yaakov trying to get out? Yaakov, in the womb of his mother, is learning Torah with a Malach. If he's learning Torah with a Malach, why would he want to leave to go to Yeshiva Shem Vayman? What was wrong with learning with a Malach? And the answer is, and it's very, very important for us all to remember this. Steak? Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, it was easier. The answer is a very simple one. Very easier. Well, there's the other cookies. I don't have the cookies. Try. 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 Try
Yaakov wanted to learn Torah. And he wanted a good Chavrusa. In Yeshiva Shem Weber, he could find a good Chavrusa. In his mother's womb, he was learning Taka with the Malach, but who was his Chavrusa? Esav. You're hitting me from two sides here. So who's on there? That was me. I was walking here. Oh, okay. So this was Yaakov's reason that he wanted to get out. Was because the Chavrusa he had was not a good one. He wanted to get away from the Chavrusa he was stuck with. Esav was his Chavrusa in his mother's womb. And he said, no, 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 this I can't hack, I can't hack this. We discussed back at the end of the Akedah The very interesting expression, very interesting pasuk. It says, Oh, this is Lechaim. Please, say Lechaim. It's Yaakov. Rus plus Yaakov. Yes, take a moment. It's, it's very strong. Yeah? Yeah, you, you won't be able to walk. You don't have to drive, you won't be able to walk either. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we learned that after the Akeda it says Bayashav Avram Avram Avinu returns Elvarav to the to youth and then Vayakumu Vayechu Yachtav and they all went home. So who went home? Avram with the youth. Where do we lose Yitzhak? So we explained at the time that Yitzhak, according to some of Farshim, went off to Yeshiva. According to some of Farshim, Yitzhak went to Gan Eden. Regardless of what Mephredish you're going to say, Yitzhak did not come back with Avram. Thereby, not knowing what happened to his mother. Because the Rebbe asked a very interesting question. Rashi says that when Sarah passed away, Rivka was born. Rivka was born when Sarah passed away. Fine. The real stuff, huh? Yeah, good. Yeah, they could put this on the Babasali's table. My son. My son was brought up from Geneva. So the question is, it says that Rivka was born, so she was now three years old. Yitzchak was 37 by the Akeda, who's now 40. <coughs> when he marries Rivka, it says that he was now condol- he now had his condolences for his mother. In other words, not only he was condoled, he had therefore Rashi says Shiba Avram Maharamriya Nishbaradun okay, one second. Vayinochim Yitzchok Achri Imoy. 
Yitzchak was now Menachem. He now had Nechama for the passing of his mother. This was three years later. Halachically, a person is only allowed to be an oval for 12 months. You cannot be oval after 12 months. You can't be Miss Avil after 12 months. After 12 months, you have to move on in life. So Shaila is... Why did he wait? Why was he three years until the end of three years when he finally married Rivka? There was he Menachem Avil. And the answer is a very powerful one. We said now that Yitzchak was up in Gan Eden for three years. Yitzchak did not know that his mother passed away. Not knowing that his mother passed away, he didn't sit shiva. He wasn't a novel. Now, after three years, he came to marry his wife. He found out about his mother's passing. So this is what's called halachically shmur achayka. Shmur achayka means a long time, that you hear about it for after a long time. If Rahman al a person passes away, and the person and the relatives are not notified, depending on who the relative is, how close the relative is, if it's not notified after a certain amount of time, then the person only sits shiva for an hour. Because this is called Shemur So Yak Yitzchak did not know about his mother until this point. So therefore he was now sitting shiva until the hour before the chasana. When he got married, he was Menachem. This is already Menachem, because it was a short shiva that he had. But the close relative... Uh, his mother. But he, didn't have, he couldn't say shiva now after three years. When words didn't go out? Like he was in Gan Eden. That's what one post that you said. Good, so if he was in Yeshiva, it would be a problem, but basically we'd say that he was in Gan Eden. I thought of another answer. So there was no, now he needed to be at peace because he missed her now, huh? <laughs> Big place. Nobody ever came back to complain. We don't know how fine, fine. He was there for three years, right? <laughs> the soul traveled, no? He didn't see his mom so much. Just said it's very big. <laughs> I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me. Maybe he did, but, but they were together then. Only when we came back, he felt bad that he was there and she's from my love. Truth is, it was two and, two and something. It wasn't exactly three. Because we find in this week's Pasha a very interesting phenomenon. We find Avram. It was interesting. I was in the in the Masifta this week on Sunday morning, and I uh, dropped the line. I didn't ask the question really. I said, you all know, of course, how long Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov lived simultaneously in the world. And then I just kept moving. I guarantee you, nobody knew the time, and nobody bothered checking up. Some say 13, some say 15 years. Why? The, Avram was supposed to live 15 years with the three. Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov together. However, Esav started, after his mitzvah, acting up. I mean, acting down, or whatever. Not acting like a nice Jewish boy. And the Abishta did not want Avram Vina to suffer seeing this. And therefore, Avram Vina dies two years earlier. Five years earlier. Two. Hmm? 
it basically it works out without a cheshbon. You're supposed to be 180, 175. So then we have a problem with the math. If you die by the Rebbe Mitzvah, the Pasuk tells us Yitzchak was 60 years old when the twins were born. Avram was 100 when Yitzchak was born. So how old was he when, when the twins were born? 160. 160. Mm-hmm. He was 100 when Yitzchak was born, and now his son Yitzchak is 60, so he's 160. 13 years later, he was 163. What's 73? 73, thank you. This stuff is stronger than I thought. And we said Avram lived 175 years. How does it go? I don't know, five, I thought the five years you didn't want to see Yaakov and Esau. Good, but again, let's do the math again. If Avram was 160 when the twins were born, and he died by the Bar Mitzvah. But who's Bar Mitzvah? The, the twins. Okay. So he was 173, not 175. How do we know he's 160? Because Yitzchak was 60 when they were born. And, and Avram was 100 when Yitzchak was born, so it makes it 160, right? Uh huh. 13 years later, it's 173. But you got a minus 3 years that Yitzchak was in in Earth. Ah, so therefore, we have to go this way. Thank you very much. Yitzchak was in Ghanaian for two years. Two plus years. And he didn't chronologically age. Right. And therefore, when Yitzchak was 60 and the children were born, Avram was 162. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So 13 years later, it was 175. Because Yitzchak didn't chronologically age, and Yitzchak and Avram did. And this we see, how do we know he was in Ganeidin? We see it at the end of the parasha. When Yaakov comes to Yitzchak, he says, I smell the smell of Ganeidin. How did he know what the smell of Ganeidin was? Because he was there. He was in. He was in and He knew what it smelled like. And then we see the, the travel of the neshama. Avram and Yitzchak. They said it's the same. Avram Yitzchak was so opposite. One was Chesed. One was Gvura. Where do we find them being the same in any which way, characteristically? Mitzvahs have to be done with a. Mitzvahs have to be done with a push. We see the love that Avram had and Yitzchak had for Teir and Mitzvahs was just out, not to be measured. Yaakov Avinu had a little bit of a not a riffian, Yaakov Avinu was looking for something. There was a little tweak that he wanted to have in his Aveda that should be even more powerful than his father and, father and grandfather. Where do we find this ultimately? We find Yaakov Avinu, after all the years of separation with Yosef Atzadik, and he meets Yosef Atzadik, the Pasuk tells us Yosef kissed Yaakov, but it doesn't say Yaakov kissed Yosef. The Flashman asks, why didn't he not kiss his son? 
he hadn't seen his favorite child for 17 plus years. Why was he not kissing him? And the first answer, Shas Maisa, Yaakov was holding by Krishna. When he saw Yasef, this tremendous love for Yasef welled up within him. The emotion of love was now at the highest level that he ever experienced. So he said, why use it for a trivial hug and kiss with my son if I could use this tremendous kayach to say Shema and to unite with God? So instead of kissing Yasef, he took that kiss. We know the story of the Alter Rebbe that got the Chesidish a kiss. Chesidish a kiss was the maimah that he gave him or the kiss that he got on the forehead from the, from the uh, Magid. He took the kayach of the love that he had within him, welled up within him, and he used it for the Davash for Piyashima. Ace of what glasses? Yeah. Oh, listen. Listen. Ace of, by the way, if you go around the corner, there's a place called Mendy's. Yeah. The fellow that works there behind the counter that he used. Rezak. He needs a lot of kizik. Lost his mom. They don't forget. Anyway, Ace played a good game. Ace was a, a maladiet. He was what? an expert in playing the game. And he comes and he wants to show his father, Yitzchak, what kind of tzaddik he is. So he says to him, how do we take maiseh from salt and straw? So he's telling his father, I'm so holy and so spiritual that I even take mice from salt and straw, and I have to know how, I want to take, so therefore I want to know how to do that. He thought, by saying this, that he would impress his father enough, and his father would actually think that uh, he's really something. That's a true question, no? He said, Tom so the question, the fact of the matter is, a few questions here involved. Firstly, his father doesn't tell him how. His father tells him, go learn yourself. And you'll learn that salt and straw does not need to have mice taken from it. That was his message to him. Don't make me crazy. But another question here is how do I take my son? I make a hundred dollars and I go crazy. How did I just make a hundred dollars? No, I make a hundred dollars. I know my son is ten dollars. Usually it's the other way. I make ten dollars and I know my son is one dollar because that's more likely what I'll make <laughs> on a rare occasion. Um... In that case, what's the shayla? How do you take maisa? You take maisa, you take maisa from anything else. You take it all, you put it together, you have 10 pounds of salt, one pound is maisa. You have 
hundred bundles of straw? One, uh, ten straws, uh, ten bundles. Uh, what kind of question was this? Why is this different? Manishtana. If it's mice, it's mice. What's the difference? How do I take mice from... Uh, you know how to take mice. If, if you take mice from anything else, you know how to take mice from this too? We look back at what Rashi says about Avram Avinu. Avram gave everything that he had, he gave Maisa. It tells us, says Rashi, that he that everything that he took all his nechassim, not only the riches that he got from the war, everything that he owned, he took off Maisa. We can therefore perhaps say that Esav wanted to say the same thing. He was taking all his money, all his nechassim, and he wanted to give myself from it. And therefore wanted to know how he do it. Salt and straw, in essence, don't have any value. You don't eat salt. And you don't really do anything with straw. Elamai. Straw you put into mattresses, you put into things, you use it to stuff something, and you now have something viable. Salt you put into foods when you used to work in shakes. And what's going on over here? Holy smokes, this thing is in a mood tonight. You put salt in food. And the food has more taste to it. The salt itself. You put salt on pistachios, it's got taste. Without the salt, unsalted pistachios, it tastes like, like straw. <laughs> so therefore he wanted to know that at what stage do I take mice from the salt? When I make it a value, when I put it into a food? Or when I just have it as nothing? As a non-entity? And this is therefore why there was a mamoshes to his question. And this is why his father had an, a thought, perhaps, that he was actually medactic the mitzvahs. That he actually did mitzvahs the way he was supposed to do. So you to, we used to come to him every time with the same question? No, but he tried to always... This was a typical question. In, in the Rebbe refers to such questions as a klotzkasha. The Klotz Kasha is asked, and the Rebbe asked three times, and the Rebbe learned Rashi Sikhis, where the Rebbe would say, and the Klotz Kasha is, the Klotz Kasha could be something that looks so simple, and it makes so sense, and it makes so much sense, and all of a sudden it just comes out of nowhere. Stop everything. Stop everything. Hard stopper. Um, the Rebbe says another very, very important thing I'd like to talk about Rashkelish Kislev also. There's two things that happen in this parsha. First of all, the bra- they're both within the bracha of Yitzchak to Esav. Why did Yitzchak want to give the bracha to Esav? Bottom line, he wanted to give it to Esav. Yaakov fools in this with that, with his mother's handiwork and everything, and his mother's ideas and telling him how to do it. But he wanted to give it to Esav. 
So what was the Chachma? Why Taka did he think so? The Rebbe says that according to Chassidus, it's explained that Yitzchak's life was to dig well, to dig, to dig. He dug up ground. What the, What was he looking for? What was he digging for? He was digging for water. He was digging to show that this offer, which we so think is worthless, if you dig deep down into it, you will find not just water, you will find live streams. So he wanted to show the true potential that each thing has. And therefore, the idea here was to reveal the potential of Esav. To give Esav the bracha, and he hoped and prayed that he would then reveal the true essence through digging within Esav, he would reveal the Aveda of Esav as well. And this Rebbe says is a lesson to each and every one of us. If by Esav, Harasha, Yitzchak was trying to reveal his Pneumius, how much more so when we have an opportunity to deal with somebody, to reveal by somebody their Pneumius and their good and their good within them, how much more so we have to devote the time and effort to do so. But yet we find by Yitzchak a davar v'hifuchay, a total oxymoron, a, a kuchatlula as they call it, contradiction. One side we know there's midas v'gvura and yira. It says pachad Yitzchak. And the Medrash says on the Pasuk in our parsha, le'yadaiti yemeisi, I did not know the day of my death. What was he talking to? What was Yitzchak referring to? His mother was 127 years old when she passed away. He was five years short of that just now. And he didn't know if he would live the length of the death of his mother or of his father. So Yitzchak was worried perhaps he was about to pass away. And therefore he gives him now, he gives Yaakov these great brachas, because now that he's passing everything, and he says to him, Yitn l'chalakim itala shemayim mishmane aretz. Shemayim represents spirituality, and aretz represents physical, the world. And again, the same lesson comes to us. There are times that people are very machma themselves. They're very stringent with certain things where they eat, how they eat, what they eat, not just dietitian-wise. In the kashas, in the, whatever it might be, they're very careful, they don't eat. The question is, do you have to impose your stringencies on others? Yes. The answer here is no. Your stringencies that you take upon yourself are for you. For anybody else who asks your direction and anyone else that asks you a shayla or anything of the sort, if you can teach them just bare knuckle halacha, this is how you can do things, that's enough. You don't have to 
tell them, you don't have to insist on them and impose on them the stringencies. If a person doesn't eat out of the house, you can't tell people, don't eat out of the house anymore, because you're not allowed to. It's not so, no such thing. If there's kashas, if there's a kashas standard, etc., there's no reason the person can't eat there. And we better quickly change gears to Rishchidosh Kislev. What is that? This Sunday, is Rishchidosh Kislev. This Sunday is Kislev is a very, very special day in Chabad. Rishchidosh Kislev is the day that the Rebbe went home from 770. What does that mean? He was sick. In the year Tavshin Lamed Zayin, Lamed Ches, excuse me, I was not here. <laughs> I'm not here I was there. I was in Venezuela. And what year is that? Ninety-one. Seventy-seven. Seventy-two before. What? I said seventy-two. This is the previous one. No, right whatever. Yeah. This is when people say Rebbe, they mean him. Yes. All of them. And more than one. So Tavshin Lamed Ches, Shmini There were a lot of guests coming for. And the place was getting very, very full. Ervin Kippur, the Rebbe would give out lekach. Lekach is honey cake. There are many connotations of giving out honey cake. And the Rebbe would wish everybody the Shanatev and Masukah. Each person would get in their hand a piece of honey cake from the Rebbe. There is a, a Svarim tell us that if you can't get an Ervin Kippur, you should get a Shanatev. And therefore, since there were people that were not here for Yom Kippur, that came to the Rebbe only for Silchaseda. So the Rebbe would stand there, Shana Rabbah, and give out honey cake. Strong stuff, right? He, still, he keeps trying to say, maybe I can get it down this time. It's not going down. <laughs> so the Rebbe stood for several hours giving out a Shana Rabbah honey cake. Then from the sukkah. Then the Rebbe went down Mincha. Then the Rebbe was scheduled to go home, eat, and then come back to 770 for Maidim HaKafas. However, when the Rebbe came out of Mincha, another line had formed outside of Sukkah. Of other Arachim that had just arrived, and also hoping, hoping maybe the Rebbe would give them Lekach. The Rebbe had Rechmanes on them, and the Rebbe went back to his Sukkah, and stood again to give out Lekach. And all this time the Rebbe was standing on his feet, Finally, after the Lekach line finished, the Rebbe went home. And the Rebbe was back a half hour later. But it was, how did the Rebbe eat? Where did the Rebbe eat? Where did the Rebbe eat? At which point the Rebbe then came down to Mairev. The Mairev, there was a coffers. Now, before a coffers, we say the Pesukim Vata what would usually happen is the Pesukim Vata was sold. And they were honored to the Rebbe. The first Hataresas were used to give the first and last Pesukim for the Rebbe to say, and people would buy them. And they would auction them off during the course of the evening. And usually this sometimes took an hour or two, this process. On this particular evening, the Maskinim the Rebbe's secretaries told the people, move it. No playing around. 
And our Teresas took a half hour. Our Teresas took a half hour. And they started our coffers. First our coffer, then I would dance with Rashag, his brother in law. Then I went down to our coffer. And they were danced. And then I went back up to his place. And the second or third akrafa that I made with his hands and people and dancing. All of a sudden, in the middle of the fourth akrafa, the Rebbe asked for his chair. Very uncharacteristic of the Rebbe. He sat down, and the people saw that something was wrong. They just started vacating 770. They started leaving. It became a very tumultuous moment, shall we say. And most of the people had left. They have insisted that our is finish. And then for the seventh Akaf, which the Rebbe also danced with his brother-in-law, the Rebbe insisted that he would not do it up on where he was, and he would go back to where he usually danced in our in the middle. The Rebbe went down and was dancing with his brother-in-law. The Rebbe was looking very weak. And they told the brother-in-law what was going on, so the brother-in-law feigned not being able to go any further, so the Rebbe shouldn't feel that he stopped it. And the Rebbe stopped dancing, then went back to his seat, finished davening, Elenu. If I remember correctly, they carried the Rebbe up in his chair. I don't believe that I walked upstairs. The Rebbe then locked himself in his room. I was not here, so I can only go according to here, see what was going on there. According to most, what I've heard, was the Rebbe was refusing to open the door. So finally the sister-in-law came down, who was also a daughter of the Fidik Rebbe, and said in the name of my father, open the door. He had no choice. It was learned after that the Rebbe had suffered a heart attack. It was quite a severe heart attack. It was so severe that during the course of the night, the Rebbe suffered a few, another one or two heart attacks, and the doctors were telling the secretariat to please prepare the chassidim because they didn't think the Rebbe was going to make it to the morning. And they knew that the chassidim would take that very hardly. In the interim, they asked the Rebbe that he had to eat something. So the Rebbe said, I have to make Yiddish first. Hmm. So they offered grape juice to the Rebbe. The Rebbe said, I have to make Yiddish on wine. So they brought wine. The Rebbe said, I have to do it in the sukkah. Hmm. So they, I don't know if they carried the Rebbe out to the sukkah. If he made it, walked out to his sukkah, which was very close. And the Rebbe made Yiddish in the, on wine in the sukkah, ate something, and now he got a little bit of color back to himself. And again, went back to his room. They brought in doctors all night long. Doctors were flown in, doctors were brought in on police escorts. It was a, a nightmare. And on top of everything else, the Rebbe refused to go to the hospital. There's one, a few doctors that said, if the Rebbe's not going to the hospital, we're not, we're not staying here. We're not taking the responsibility of the Rebbe not getting the proper treatment by not being in the hospital. And the Rebbe refused. And finally, the Dr. Zelikson, who was the Rebbe's personal physician, 
said that it's, he believes it's best interest to the patient if the Rebbe stays in his own environment it will be more comfortable and this will help his healing. And that was what was done and the Rebbe sent messages that the Chassidim should dance, should continue and finish the coffers. What year did he pass away? Huh? What year did he pass away? In 92. 94. 94. And the were dancing and they tried to keep him quiet. Disturbed the Rebbe. The Rebbe was supposed to be resting. The Rebbe told the doctors, this is, this music, this is such sweet music, how could you stop it? And then, throughout Yom Tov, the Rebbe was sending out messages of what, that everything should continue the way it's supposed to continue. Most powerfully, was the Rebbe said they should have a Fabrengen, they should set up his chair, and people should picture as if the person that usually sits there is sitting there. Never heard of it. Huh? Never heard of it. And then the Rebbe sent down Rabbi Grona with what to, what to say, say a few messages. I don't remember them by heart. And then on Matzah Yom Tov, the Rebbe sent Kesha Bracha from Zavdala, sent a cup of wine that the Rebbe made Avdala on. But prior to that, excuse me, not prior to that, the, the Rebbe insisted on saying Asicha. And the doctors were going crazy from the idea that the Rebbe should speak, speaking is so strenuous on the heart. And the Rebbe said, it's a lot more strenuous on my heart not to say it than if you don't make me say it, if I, if I say it. And the Rebbe said the Sicha, and the, the, the hook, he said, the machines are all hooked up. You can check the monitors, as I'm saying. If there's a problem, you'll stop me. The problem was that the machines either went faulty or it really was what it was, and the line went flat as the Rebbe was speaking. So they knew, obviously, the Rebbe was alive because he's speaking. What page was that? This is Matsyam. And then again, Matsyam. The Rebbe spoke then every Matsyam for a few weeks thereafter said a maimah but during this maimah Matsyamtiv the line gone flat he flatlined the machine but the Rebbe was sitting and talking so the doctors were a little bit baffled to say the least <laughs> at the end of the Shredish Kisle the Rebbe finally went home the first time from the, his room the doctors declared him in, better, in best health interestingly the Rebbe asked first day after in Isachag that the mail be brought to him all the mail that the Rebbe used to get on a daily basis and they asked the Rebbe you know it's a little pressure a little hard it's tedious perhaps the Rebbe would wait until the Rebbe is better before he starts to read the mail and the Rebbe said you think it's going to accumulate less if I wait and the people that are writing to me today have time to wait for a bracha. And the Rebbe went through his daily mail, and the Rebbe insisted to send out a message that people should write, not be scared to write, because this is what it's all about. And the doctors themselves were very interesting, and they still talk till today about it. They learned more from the Rebbe. In the course of the time they spent with the Rebbe in, about medicine, 
then they learned medical school. So they, they, they saw how, how powerful the Rebbe really was. Ultimately, the Rebbe was well. The Rebbe went home, and on this we said for this we celebrate Rishchidish Kislev, which that should be this Sunday, isn't the hate about the end of the Teva, and it should be Taka a celebration of the Rebbe being well and the Rebbe being the scholar, and not having to imagine the person that sat in the seat, but actually see the Rebbe in his seat in all his glory, and they should be taking us out of Golis to Yerushalayim and Akedish Nachayim with a good Shabbos and a good Chedish. Good night, everybody, on this end. How do I shut this up? I don't remember anyone. Rabbi, you see, your prescription went up from 175 to 225. What's wrong with you? Where did you see it was 175? The old ones, no. Six months ago? Okay, so what do you want? It happens, you know. No, it doesn't happen because you're using these cheap readers that look like girls, and they are girls. This is probably a lady's glasses, if you're asking me. But what happens is really, when I'm very tired, I have to wear this one. I'm not very tired, I wear these. These are the 175. <laughs> So that you you caught me. No. It's only because I'm extremely tired. Rabbi, can you just go to the doctor and give me a prescription? I'll do it for you. Haha, I forgot about that. Mr. Optician here. License. I got my license this week. My license, Optician. <laughs> you didn't tell me you got your license. I got it. You told me you passed the test. Result of. Very nice. You have to be on time tomorrow. Quarter seven, sir. Striped. After the mikveh. That's right, Mr. Yeah, because you have to get a leader. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. That's the halicha shem v'shem. The nachte v'chesed. You just went back on? Yeah. Yeah, the amazing thing is, when my house was born on Chavzayin. Chavzayin.